Well, good morning, church. My name is Matt Malone. They call me the youth pastor here. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we are blessed with um, a lot of talented communicators here. A couple weeks ago, we had Pastor Deborah share a message with you. She's just kind of the smooth talker. Um, she just has the ability to look at you in the face and tell you you're evil and sinful and wicked and you need to repent. And you just kind of accept it like, well, yeah, you're right. I am. And then we have Dr. Allison, our, uh, our, I call him Dr. Allison. He's working on his doctorate. Our, our senior leader, fearless leader. And he's, he's more the, the heady type guy. He'll take a word and give you about 10 different translations of that word. Translate it in three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Portuguese. Requote entire church history in three minutes in every sermon. I mean, he's just talented, right? He's just talented. And then there's me. And I'm like a dog hunting for squirrels. I'm on the path for a while, sniffing around, you know, squirrel, you know, and I'm gone. I'm gone. So anyhow, so if you're visiting with us, I hope, I hope you can find a seatbelt. Okay. You gotta, you might have to buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride, but it's an honor and a privilege to be able to share the message of Christ with you this morning. Pastor Aaron asked me to um, speak about joy. And so I began to, to think and the wheels began to turn. And as I thought about joy, a couple of things came to mind. Number one, joy to the world, the Lord has. Can help me out now. Let earth receive her king. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. What do you think? You think I could lead worship too? Uh, <laughs> all right. Maybe not. Maybe not. That's number one. Another thing I think of when I think of joy I think of waking up out of a deep, slobbery sleep at 3.30 in the morning to change a green, pasty, dirty diaper. Amen. Where's my parents at? You remember that? You remember the joy that you felt to get up? I'm talking dead sleep. My wife, Matt, Matt. Matt, get up. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sleeping. I need sleep. And so that, those are some things I think of when I think of joy. I also think of fruit trees. Fruit trees. We have any landscape artists in here? Any landscapers? Trevor, you a landscape guy? No, you just play music, don't you? Play music and grow a beard. It's a good beard. But uh, I, I think of fruit trees, and, and I did a little research for you this past week on fruit trees, just in case you didn't know. If you are going to plant a fruit tree and you want a good harvest, you want some nice, ripe, and healthy fruit, there's a few things you need to take note of, okay? Number one, you need to fertilize, all right? You need to get you some healthy fertilizer. This will help your tree grow and produce healthy fruit, okay? Number two, you need water. Duh, right? I mean, you can't plant anything without watering it and expect it to live, right? Sid, you with me? Okay. So you need to fertilize. You need to water. Number three... Okay, you need to get you some, some, some pesticidal stuff, some, some spray, pesticidal, insecticidal stuff. Help, somebody help me out here. Something to spray the fruit with, okay? So the bugs don't eat it, alright? You need to do that. And fourthly, you need to mulch. You gotta mulch. And this, this, the nutrients that the tree receives from the mulch will help it grow and produce fruit. 
Now I know what you're thinking. Pastor Matt, you saw a squirrel. What does fruit trees have to do with joy? If you remember, the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy, church, joy. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God that lives and resides within a believer. Okay, And just as you who are going to plant a fruit tree must put effort into that tree, you must put energy, you must care for, nurture, help that tree grow, just as you're going to do that for the fruit tree, if you're going to produce joy, if joy is going to be produced in your life, it's going to require effort. It's going to require energy on your part. I think about the words of Christ in in John chapter 15. When he says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he trims and cleans every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Verse 4, he says this, Remain, remain, remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit alone, but must remain in the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit alone, but must remain in me. Church, as I look around... And I watch the news like many of you do. And I see what's going on in our country and I see what's going on in our world. There's a lot of depressed, sad, joyless people in this country. Why? It's because we're not remaining in Christ. We're not remaining in Him. We're not connected to the true vine but we're distracted there's things that are distracting us man we live in a rich country it's a great country I love the United States of America I spent two years in South Korea my wife and I when, when, I, when I stepped foot back onto American soil I had never been more proud to be an American than I was then because I had traveled I had seen a part, a different part of this world, and I was so thankful and humbled to be able to come back to this country. But one of the great things about this country is also the same thing that plagues us. We're rich. And as a rich country, we have many distractions. Nielsen is a, a company that does TV ratings and audience ratings, okay? And they came out with a study in 2012 said that the average American over the age of two watches roughly 34 hours of TV a week. Break that down, that's roughly five hours a day. The average American, five hours of live television a day. Now, some of you are thinking, how in the world do people have time on a daily basis to watch five hours of TV? But the average American in this country does, okay? 
we make time for television. All right. They came out with another study. 99% of boys, 94% of girls. This blew my mind. 99% of boys, 94% of girls under the age of 18 play video games regularly. Regularly. That means that every student in here under the age of 18, there's almost a 100% chance that you play video games on a regular basis. Everybody's looking at the teenagers like, is that you? I know that's you. But that's the culture we live in. That is the reality of society that we live in. They came out with another study, social media study. In July 2012, they took the whole month and studied how many minutes an American would spend, typically, on social media sites. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. They found out that roughly 388 minutes, or six and a half hours per person, if every person in the United States spent time on social media. That's just one month. So for one month... If every single one of you in this room were on social media, it would be roughly six and a half hours for each of you. How does that translate? That translates to roughly 230 years of time that we as Americans have spent on social media in one month. That's one month. There's only one person I know in my life personally who can take social media and redeem it for God's glory. Social media is not bad in and of itself, okay? Facebook, you have a Facebook page, Twitter account, all that stuff. That's not bad in and of itself. Television is not evil in and of itself. And video games, the same thing. However, when you spend more time watching TV, playing on your phone, playing on the computer... Stalking people on Facebook. When you spend more time doing that than remaining in Christ, there's going to be a problem. And we are seeing that problem every day of our lives. We're seeing people who have no joy, who have no peace, no hope. Everything's about me and being happy. It's all about being happy. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to chase for me and my family. And I'm going to take care of me. And I'm just going to do whatever makes me happy. My wife no longer makes me happy. So I'm going to go off and find a woman who's going to make me happy. My kids don't make me happy. So I'm just going to go off and beat them and abuse them. Just because I can. Because I, I have control over them. We treat women with no respect we treat our elders with no respect. This is the reality, church, of the culture we live in. Why? Because we're not remaining in Christ. We're not connected to the vine. We are disconnected from the one who offers true joy, true hope, and true peace. We're disconnected from him. And we wonder why everything's going down. We wonder why we're really killing ourselves. The Center for Disease and Health Prevention came out with a study in 2010. And we learned that more deaths were caused by suicide than car accidents. 
33,000 roughly deaths were caused by car accidents in 2010 compared to 38,000 suicides. 38,000 people in this country decided that life wasn't worth it. Decided that they, they don't have a purpose. That the God who hung the stars in the sky has no plan for them. Think about that. And reality is, there's people in this room right now who have thought the very same thing. Why am I here? What's my purpose? God, are you really real? God, do you really love me? Some of you have thought suicidal thoughts. Can I just talk to you just for a second? God has a message for you this morning. And the message is this. I love you. And I have a plan for you. And you are not just one of seven billion individuals existing on this earth. I have a special purpose for you. I care for you. I would not have come to this earth and had my flesh ripped off of my son if it wasn't for you. So take that and receive that. God is real and he does have a plan for you. Amen. And that's the reality. And this is what we have to get, church. We begin to understand the reality of God's word when we read God's word. This is the problem. Is that this book I'm holding in my left hand is no longer valued in this country. It's considered old, outdated, worthless. It's no longer holy. It's no longer special. It's no longer unique. It's no longer crucial for us anymore. It's just another old book that collects dust in our houses. I love my students. I love them. I thank God for them. And you can ask any one of them. One of the main things that I try to hammer home and preach to them is this. You got to read this. You have to sit down and make time. To read this. Because this. God's going to use this. To change your life. Not social media. Not TV. Not video games. He's going to use this Bible right here. To speak truth into your life. This is where you're going to. To read about God's love. And God's plan for you. And then once you begin to read and you begin to study and you begin to get God's word into you, then you have power. You have authority. You have truth. And what did Jesus tell us about truth? He said, it's going to set you free. It's going to set you free. It's going to set you free from those suicidal thoughts. It's going to set you free from that depression Feeling like you're worthless and you're nobody and you're just cast off to the curb. Nobody cares about you. It's going to set you free. So one of the things I challenge my students with, I ask them this question. In the past seven days, how many of you have studied your Bibles? 
How many of you have read? It's usually not the best response. But I have to ask you the same question. In the past seven days, how many of you have taken time out to spend with God? To connect to the vine? If you haven't, and you wonder why there's problems in your life as far as joy, not experiencing joy, you wonder why you're depressed, you wonder why you're feeling down, may I just submit to you that you're not connecting to the vine? That you're not connecting to the power source? Children are like monkeys. I, I squirrel, squirrel, all right, squirrel. But really, I have one. He's about 22 months old. And he begins to, to do things that daddy does, okay? And, and sadly, daddy doesn't always have the best manners as it pertains to eating, okay? Some of you may know this. When I'm eating, I'm not trying to, to impress people, okay? I'm trying to get food from point A to point B. Amen? I mean, can I get a witness, guys, right? I'm not worried about, you know, sipping tea and, 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 and using good manners. I'm not worried about that. And so if I get a little mustard on my, on my cheek, I'm not afraid just to, you know, just wipe it off. You know, just, you know. You've done that before, right? Well, guess what my 22-month son does now? He's eating ketchup. Not by itself, okay? I'm not that bad of a parent, all right? Ketchup and hot dogs, okay? Veggie dogs. So he's eating these veggie dogs and ketchup, and he gets a little ketchup on his mouth. Guess what my 22-month son does? I'm like, son... Use your manners. Take a napkin. And then I start thinking, oh, that's right. Daddy does it. And because daddy does it, my son does it. They see and they do. They're copycats. What concerns me, though, church, is that our students are growing up in homes where they don't see mommy and daddy read this book anymore they don't see mommy and daddy have regular devotion times and time with God they don't see that anymore but pastor Matt I have children pastor Matt my life's busy you don't know I, I understand listen I have two babies okay I understand life is crazy two babies in diapers I, I know but the bottom line is you will make time for what is most important in your life. You will make time if God is priority. You will. If you have a biblical understanding of this world and you know that your time on this earth is short compared to what you're going to spend in eternity, which is forever, and you understand that you don't have a lot of time on this earth to get distracted, and be worrying about what he said or she said on Twitter or, or, or what they're doing on Facebook. You understand you don't have a lot of time to worry about those things. You understand that your life is like a vapor. And you're here one day and the next day you're gone. You're gone. 
And you're going to stand in front of the king of kings. And he's going to look at you. And say, give an account of your life. Did you love me? Did you serve me? What did you do with the gifts and the talents that I've given you? And each one of you, including myself, are going to have to give an account before a holy God. And if you understand that, then you will make time for that Bible. You will make time to study and to learn and to grow because you want to. Because you desire to want to know Christ more and to want to know true joy more. You just don't want happiness. Happiness comes and goes. That's why we're so messed up. It's because we keep looking for alcohol to fulfill this deep wound we have. We keep looking for the pain pills to take away the pain. We keep looking for the substance abuse. We keep looking for another relationship because the one I got right now is not working. And so we cheat on our spouses. Why? All in the name of happiness, right? We just want to be happy. Jesus says, no, no, no. If you want joy, joy is not, not predicated on your circumstances. If you want true joy, you come to me. You spend time with me. And then as our children, our sons and our daughters, as they see that God is changing mommy and daddy, or maybe it's just mommy in here. Or maybe it's just daddy. Or maybe it's grandparents. But when they begin to see God do a work within their parents. They begin to see that. Then most likely, guess what they're going to do? They're going to follow. They're going to follow you. As much as I love your students, I have a very limited impact in their life. I see them maybe one hour, maybe two hours a week. That's it. You cannot expect me to have a greater influence on their spirituality than you. You are primary. You are primarily responsible for your child's spiritual relationship with Christ. You are. Just as I and Zoe am with Easton and Kipton. It's our responsibility. And it's your responsibility. Monday through Saturday, you spend the most time with your child. So the question this morning is, how are you doing? Where are you in relationship to your relationship with God are you remaining in him do you have peace are you at peace with God are you content and are living for him I heard a story one time it's about an old country preacher from Opelika Alabama Okay, Southern Baptist Church, small congregation, maybe 50, 60 people, kind of like the church I grew up in. And I don't know your church background, 
but you need to know this important piece of information. Business meetings in small Southern Baptist churches draw more crowds than Sunday services. You need to know that. Everyone knows when the business meeting is. Okay? If they haven't been to church in months, they know when the business meeting is. And they show up. Okay? So the business meeting is a big deal. So the pastor held a business meeting for his congregation. And they all showed up. And one man slipped up his hand and made a motion to paint the church. It had been roughly 25 years since the church had been painted. It was looking kind of rough. So to the pastor's surprise, everyone agreed. All in favor say aye. All said aye. None opposed. So the pastor said this. Meet me Saturday morning, 10 a.m. here at the church. I'll bring the paint. And so they showed up. Pastor brought the paint. They began painting the church. They got about halfway done. Problem number one occurred. They ran out of paint. And so the pastor, being a cerebral, quick thinker that he is, kind of like Pastor Aaron, he thought, you know what I'll do? I'm just going to take the paint buckets, take it over to the water spigot, put a little water in there, and voila, we have more paint. And so that's what he did. Filled the buckets up with, with water, switched it around a little bit, mixed it up, bam, paint. So they continued painting the church. They finished the church until problem number two occurred. It began to rain. And so half of their work was gone. They had a half-painted church. So the people are looking around. All right, pastor, pastor, what do we do? Like any good pastor, the pastor said, let me go home and pray about it. And so he did. He went home and he prayed. And he said, God, what, what, what are we going to do? What do you want us to do? And he told the people to meet him Saturday morning, 10 a.m. at the church. So Saturday morning rolls around. The pastor rolls up. It is 1965 Ford pickup truck. Amen. Come on. He gets out. The people are waiting on him. They say, Pastor, what did the Lord say? The pastor looked at him. He said, God told me to tell you this. You need to repaint Repaint, repaint, and thin no more. Come on now. Come on. Yeah. Hey, don't leave me hanging up here, all right? It's only my second time. I don't want to get fired, okay? Now, that's funny. But there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. Some of you in here, you need to repent. Repent, repent, and sin no more. Repentance means change. Repentance means you're going one way and you stop and you turn around and you run towards Christ. Repentance means you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of the way you feel and the way you're hurting yourself and the way you're hurting others. Here's the thing about sin. I told you about my 22-month-old, Easton. What's interesting about Easton now is that he understands right from wrong. So when he's taking his toys and he's banging them up against the TV, right? And daddy, daddy says, hey, Easton, no, sir, please don't do that. Please don't do that, son. He understands. He does not supposed to be taking the toys and banging the television, okay? Or banging his baby brother on the head. Please don't do that, son. I want to keep my second son, right? He understands. 
And so sometimes I will remove my son from the situation just to distract him. Just to get him playing on something else. And other times though, other times I will remain, I will place him, let him remain in the situation to test him. To see whether or not he's going to listen to daddy. Because daddy loves him. Man, I love my son. And I care about him. And I want to give him the world. And I want him to obey me. And when he doesn't. When he looks at me. And he knows what's right from wrong. And he chooses to do what's wrong. To do what displeases daddy. That hurts me. That hurts me. Because I care about him. I want what's best for him. And this is what you have to understand about your sin. Whatever it is. Is that you have a loving heavenly father. Who cares about you. Who is crazy about you. Had his son. Suffered. Strung out upon a cross. To die for your sins. Your sins. That's how much God loves you. And when you continue to choose evil. And continue to choose distractions. And continue to choose to close the Bible. Push it away. And invite every other type of information in. Man that hurts him. That hurts him. Because he wants what's best for you. So some of you in this room. It's time to stop running. And it's time to stop playing games. Because Satan's not a game player. Satan has one goal. Steal you. Kill you. Destroy you. That's his mission. He don't care about you. He wants, to, he wants you to think he does, but he don't care about you. He'll use any method possible to distract you from what is most important. And that's connecting to the vine. Finding your source of joy in Christ. And so Satan just six, he just kicked back with two feet up right now. Watching the United States of America literally kill themselves. Kill themselves. Because we have so much hurt. We have so much pain. And we're continuing to try to fill that void. With things. That can't fill the void. So he's just sitting back. Saying go right ahead. God don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. This is why he sent me here to give you this message this morning. It's because some of you, it's time, it is time today to repent, 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 and sin no more. To lay down whatever it is you're going through. Whatever sin has a hold on your life. Some of you, it may be, it may be relationships outside of your marriage that you know, you know are unhealthy. Others of you, it may be what you're looking at on the TV screen, on, in the magazines, on the internet. Others of you, it may be the bottle. You can't put the bottle down. Others of you, it's pills. 
Others of you, it's just computers, video games, TV, distractions. But they have a hold on you. And, and you haven't spent time in the truth. But you expect your children to know the truth. You expect your children to love God and to do what's right. But before you can expect them to, you must. You must. Let me close with this. I want to share a story with you about a family who attends this congregation. Zoe and I have been here almost a year. It's been our pleasure to get to know this family. Um, I'm going to put that picture up there. This is, if you can see it, this is Mr. Chad and Danielle Heist. They have three gorgeous girls, Lily, Bella, and Riley. Lily and Bella are twins, correct? Yep, Lily and Bella are twins. They're um, roughly six years old, maybe in this picture, and Riley is around three years old. Riley is, is the youngest, okay? Chad and Danielle love the Lord. They love Christ. When they find out, when they found out that they were pregnant with twins, like many of you, they're excited, right? Shocked, nervous, scared, but excited. Because they're going to get the opportunity to disciple and raise up two girls in the name of the Lord. And so they're excited. And so the girls are born. They take them home. And a few days and a few months go by and they start noticing some just some weird abnormalities going on here. The girls never did look or focus in their eyes. It's like their, their focus was always off. They could never look in, in, into their eyes. Also, they, they didn't have any type of strength whatsoever. After 18 months, I mean, they, it was like they were jello. They couldn't hold their necks up. They couldn't stand with assistance they couldn't roll or crawl or do anything they were they were just like jello and so finally Chet and Danielle talked to the doctor the doctor scheduled an MRI and in that MRI they found out that their two beautiful girls were, di were diagnosed with Joubert syndrome and it's a, a disorder of the cerebellum which is the part of your brain that controls uh, coordination and muscle control. It affects each child differently, okay? But let's just pause and, and think for a moment. Those of you who have children, think about your children right now. How when you brought them home and you began spending those precious few days with them as they they grew older and you began to look into their eyes and they began to look into yours and they began to smile and talk agu agu you remember that they didn't get to experience that They didn't get to experience that with those two girls. Three years later, they found out they were pregnant with Riley. The doctor told them there's a 25% chance that Riley will have 
the same disorder that her two older sisters do. What's interesting to note is that one in 400,000 in this world are affected by this. One in 400,000. And so Chet and Danielle, I mean, they're just, they're praying. They're trying to trust the Lord. We don't know what's going to happen. Riley's born. She seems to be on a, on a pretty stable, pretty normal path, right? But as days turned into months, they began to see some, some similar but different abnormalities in her as well. And so they found out that she too has Joubert syndrome. So they have three girls who are in wheelchairs, who are practically completely dependent upon Chet and Danielle to take care of them. As I talked to Chet this past week, he began to share with me some of the frustration, some of the pain, some of the anger that he felt toward God after his girls were were born and diagnosed. I mean, you can imagine, right? They're thinking, God, we love you. We serve you. God, we give our life to you. And this is what you do? You, you, give, us, you give us three girls who are, who are completely disabled and dependent upon us? And then Chad said, God just spoke to him. Very quietly. And reminded him. Where were you when I hung the stars? Where were you, Chad, when I put the sun and the moon in their places? Where were you when I created this world? Chad and Danielle had a decision to make. They could have chose the path of sin and said, you know what? God, I can't believe you did this to me. After all these years of serving you, this is how you repay me. I'm just going to go drink my pain away. I'm just going to go cheat on my spouse and find someone who's going to make me happy. I'm just going to chase after happiness, God, because obviously you don't care about me. They could have chose that path, but thank God by his grace they did not. Instead, they chose the path of righteousness. They said, you know what, God, you have a plan. We don't understand it. We don't get it sometimes, but you still have a plan and you are still God. And we are still, still going to stand here and serve you no matter what our circumstances are. Because listen to me, church, joy is not predicated on your life's circumstances. It's not. Happiness is. But true joy found in Christ. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Don't get me wrong. Do you think it's easy trying to raise three girls who are completely dependent upon them? Heavens no, it's not. But I'm reminded by the words of James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure Joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Chad, Danielle, this is for you. 
whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know, you know, Chad, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Why did I want to share that story with you? Because by God's grace, they are modeling joy for us. True joy. That's not in someone's circumstances. In just a moment, before Miss Beth and Mr. Trevor begin to lead us into worship, I want to ask you a question. If tonight you knew your life was going to be demanded from you, tonight, if God told you your life is going to end, what is it, what is it you need to do to make peace with God? To repent of your sin. To ask Jesus to forgive you, restore you, and give you hope. What is it must you do in order to receive that? I'm going to ask you to do something different this morning than we're normally that we normally do. If God is speaking to you, and I know he is, I'm going to ask you to do something uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to get out of your comfort zone. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. Because listen to me, there's something about stepping out and coming forward to the altar and laying down before Jesus. There's just something about it. I don't know if I can explain it to you in words, but there's just something about you saying, you know what, God, I am not going to stand here in my depression, in my anger, in my bitterness, in my struggles. I'm not going to stand here. I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to walk down to that altar and I'm going to lay my life down before you because that's what you did for me. That's what you did for me. You gave your life for me. And I'm tired of running. I'm tired of living for happiness. God, I want joy. I want, I want to be connected. I want to know you. Teach me. I don't even where to know where to begin. And if that's you, your place to start is by surrendering. Taking a step of faith coming down to this altar and just saying, maybe you need to take my hand and just say, hey, Pastor Matt, I don't know where to begin, but I know I need to surrender. I know my life is a wreck and I need help getting it back on track. Whatever the case is, maybe you just need to repent of sin. Come to this altar. Take a step of faith and come to this altar. Why, Pastor Matt? Why must I have to come to the altar because listen to me if you cannot take a stand for Christ in here amongst brothers and sisters if you can't stand up for him here how on God's green earth are you going to stand up for him out there you're not if you can't stand up for Christ here Satan's going to eat you alive out there so if God is speaking to you I want you to be obedient and you come running to him and see what he does. Stand with me.